Uh, turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles to Acts chapter 27. Acts chapter 27. Let's pick up reading in verse 20. This is, this is Paul on a ship on his way to Rome, okay? His last trip he's going to make to Rome where he would, he would be uh, in prison and later uh, martyred for the Lord. And so he's on this ship and there's a horrible storm. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. <laughs> That's pretty bad. And there's a period right there. All hope. For how many days, I forget exactly how many days or nights, they didn't see sun or stars. They couldn't see anything. They didn't know if it was day or night. It was so dark, and the storm was so terrible. And uh, they had been throwing things over the ship, trying to lighten the load so it wouldn't sink. It was a prison ship with 270 prisoners. That included Paul and, and the guards. And so uh, all hope that we should be saved was taken away. Sometimes we feel like that, Amen. All hope that we should be saved is taken away. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth. This is a time of prayer and fasting. So in the midst of this, he's praying and fasting and seeking Almighty God. Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me and not have loosed from Crete and to gain this harm and to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that are with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. Now that's an amazing verse. That last verse is what we're going to talk about. All hope that they should be saved was taken away, but Paul prayed and fasted to the Lord, who is the master of the winds and the waves. And the, he says, don't fear. He says, sirs, he, Paul stands up in verse 25, be of good cheer, for I believe God. That's a mouthful right there. I believe God, that it shall be even as it was told me. And you and I need to believe God, and we need to believe God that it's going to be as he has told us, as he has told us in his word, as he has spoken to us in his word, as he has spoken to us in our hearts when we seek and, and pray him. You and I need to, first of all, hear from God, and then we need to stand like a rock right there. We need to know we've heard from God, and then we need to stand and believe him for that very thing. We don't stand and believe God for anything we want. We believe God as he's told us. This is not part of the name it and claim it. We don't just claim what we want and say God has to do it because he's bound by a bunch of formulas and spiritual laws. We go to God's word. The Bible says if we ask anything according to his will, we know that he hears us. And if he hears us, then we know that we have the petition that we've desired of him. It is important that we don't just write our own ticket, anything we want, maybe out of selfishness or carnality, and say, God, you have to do it. You're bound to that. He's not bound to that. He's a faithful God. He keeps his word. But this is what we're to walk in right here. Amen? And so we need to know that we've heard from God, know that it's the Lord, and then when he's spoken to our hearts and our lives, then we need to stand there. And we need to believe him for that very thing. When we do that, 
it brings good cheer, the Bible says. Twice Paul said that. He told the men, remember that at this point, it's still black as can be, and they've already lost all the cargo, and they're thinking we're going to die, and they can't tell if it's day or nighttime, and the storm's ripping, uh, ripping upon them. And he says, fear not. The angel told Paul, fear not. Right in the midst of that, before it changed, he told him to fear not. Before it changed, he told him, be of good cheer. And Paul told the people around him, be of good cheer. When we believe God and we stand there, it's not enough to say I believe and then, and then keep walking off in, in unbelief. When we believe God and then we stand right there it, and we set ourselves upon there, it brings cheer to our hearts. God wants it to bring cheer to our hearts. And it gives us peace and joy. Amen. And we don't have to fear. And so we don't receive that, that joy and that peace in the midst of trials when we doubt and when we fear. And we all do at times. I don't claim to stand before you and say, I've never doubted the Lord. I have doubted. I've doubted and I've gotten afraid. I've been like Peter and I took my eyes off of Jesus and I looked at the waves and I began to sink. Sure, I've done that before, but I don't want to do that. I don't want to continue in that. I want to be stronger in that and not do that. We all have. That's what this message is for us. But the, the peace doesn't come when we, when we say, okay, I believe you, Lord. And then we start doubting and looking around at the circumstances. The peace and the joy and the good cheer comes when we set our hearts and minds on the Lord. And he said, I'm staying right here. I'm not moving. I'm not moving. God, my God told me this. And I'm standing right here. I'm standing upon it. We stand upon the very words of Almighty God. We stand upon the very words. How can you stand on a word? You can do it. We can stand on the words of Almighty God because let God be true to every man a liar. He is, he is the God of truth. He is the truth. And it says in, in John 6, 63, Jesus said, uh, he says, it's the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profits nothing. The words I speak unto you, their spirit and their life. And you and I can stand on the living word of God. I'm here to tell you that today. You and I can stand upon the Word of God. You can stand upon it. You buckle in your seatbelt and strap yourself in right there, and this is where I'm staying. I'm standing upon the Word of God. You know, you hear the saying, and for the most part it's true, that talk is cheap, right? Talk is cheap. People can say anything, and they boast on something, and it doesn't come to pass. I'm going to do this, and they don't do it. I promise you I'll do this, and they don't do it. Uh, talk is cheap, but talk is not cheap when it comes to the words of our Lord and Savior. What he says he means, what he says he does. Amen? Isaiah 55, 11, Thus shall my word be that cometh forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it will accomplish that which pleases me and prosper in the thing whereunto I have sent it. It's not going to return unto me void. If God says it, he's not wasting his breath. If he speaks it, he spoke all of the creation into existence in six days. Let there be light and there was light, right? He, he speaks it and it accomplishes what it pleases him. He says, my word won't, re won't return unto me void. That means ineffectually, empty, without cause, in vain. God's word is not in vain. It's not without cause. It's not ineffectual. It's not empty. It's the word of God. And it's the God of the word behind it, amen, that speaks it. And so <clears throat> the trouble with many of God's people, and I would include myself in this, the trouble with many of God's people is that we don't stand straight up on our spiritual feet. 
We don't stand straight up on our spiritual feet. God's given us spiritual feet. He says, lift up those hands that hang down to those feeble knees and make straight feet for your path. He, paths. he says in Hebrews, there is to be a strength when God speaks to us that we believe him and we lay hold on it. We stand straight up on those spiritual feet with Christ as our foundation and the word of God and the promises of God underneath us. And we stand there and we believe it. Trouble with many of God's people is that we don't rise up in the Holy Ghost, in the Spirit, in the name of the Lord, in the truth, and stand right there. We need to say, you know what, I'm going to stand here because God said it. I'm going to be strong right here. I'm going to receive the peace of God right here in the midst of the storm. That's where he wants us to do it. That's what he's trying to teach us, and that's what he enables us to do if we'll, if we'll do it. But a lot of God's people don't set themselves right there. We don't rest in his promises. You know what I mean? We know them. We're familiar with them. But we don't rest in his promises. Paul rested in that promise. The storm was still knocking the ship all over the place. No, not a circumstance had changed. And yet he, he found a rest, a very real rest in the promise, promises of God. We don't oftentimes rest in his promises. We don't meet uh, the enemy from a place of strength with our spiritual feet under us. You understand what I'm saying? We need, to, we need to meet and resist everything that's coming against your spiritual life. You need to meet it from a place of strength in the Lord. Standing upon the word of God and the promises of God. No matter how you feel and how fierce the enemy looks. The Bible says greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. The Bible says... Uh, that we're to submit the Satan. He's like a, a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. That's pretty ferocious sounding. Seeking whom he may devour. It's a lion prowling through the town wanting to eat somebody up. And he says, whom resist steadfastly in the faith. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist. What does the word of God say? It says, submit yourselves, resist the devil, and he'll flee. We need to resist Everything that's coming against our lives and our walk with God, coming against our pursuit of God, we need to resist it in the name of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you this. Do you have things that are coming against your life? I'd like to meet you if you, if you don't. Do you have things that are coming against your life? Do you have things that are coming against your spiritual life that are trying to... Uh, the little foxes trying to spoil the vineyards. Do you have, do you have things coming to, to rob your peace, to rob your joy, to rob your children from you and take them from the Lord? Do you, certainly we do. We have things coming against our lives. We need to set ourselves in the word of God by faith and from that position of strength because his word is power. He says, my word is like a rock that breaks the, uh, a hammer, that breaks the rocks in pieces. Okay, we need to resist the Lord. I mean, resist the devil from a place of strength. Everything that's coming against your walk with God. Are you desiring to be holy? We've preached it three of the last four weeks or so on holiness, the pursuit for holiness, and the the uh, the call of God upon our lives for holiness. And you say, I'm trying that, and, and you say, you know, it's true. You've heard the sermons, and you agree with it, and you amen. But in your heart, you really don't believe you're going to grow. Yeah, it's always been this way. I'm, I'm never going to be more holy than I am. That's a lie. That's a lie. Set yourself upon the promises of God. You're going to be what he's called you to be. Keep your eyes on Jesus and walk with him. 
He's called us to, to be conformed to his image. He has, he has said, this is the will of God, even your sanctification. The scripture says, uh, it's God which worketh you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. We know that. We, we quote it. We amen when the preacher says it. But we don't really believe that. We don't believe that we're going to be any different that things aren't going to be any different. My family's got whatever. But God's called you to holiness. He's called you with the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He's called you to a spiritual maturity and growth. He's called me to that. And so we think, I know the scriptures, but uh, I don't really think it's going to be any different. Yes, it is. Set yourself upon the promises of God and believe God. The Bible says, Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law that they meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Is that true or is it not true? Everybody agrees it's true? You know what I need to do and you need to do? We need to set ourselves right there. I'm going to delight myself in the Lord. I'm going to ask him to change my heart to where I delight even more in the Lord and in the things of God and in the word of God. And he tells me my life is going to be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf shall not wither and whatsoever he does shall prosper. Well, I don't kind of believe it. Believe it and then set yourself there and by the grace of God, live right there. He'll help us. Amen. We've doubted a thousand times. God will forgive us, but we don't need to doubt it. We need to believe like God said, not like we think it's going to be. My little peanut finite brain, how I say it's going to be. What does God say it's going to be? He says he's coming back on the clouds. You know, the end of the tribulation period. He, he tells me a lot of things. I need to believe what he has said, not what I think. Amen? I'm talking to Christians here this morning, those that are saved. Now, some people don't set themselves on the promises of God and the Word of God because they're ignorant. They don't know the Word of God. They don't know the promises they, that are theirs. And so they, they're, they're a little flaky, and they're kind of all over the place because they don't know the Word. And they haven't developed their spiritual ears to hear clearly the voice of Jesus. We need to hear the voice of our Good Shepherd. So some people are just kind of ignorant, and they ought not be, Okay. We can come to know the Lord and his word. But some people know the promises of God and just don't set themselves there. We just, we don't set ourselves there in a place of strength. Amen. We need to stand against, as I said, all that's coming against our lives. But set yourself in a place of strength on, on the word of God and the promises of God. And all the promises of him, if God in Christ are yea and in a him. Amen. To the glory of God. That would be an unstable soul. The Bible speaks of. There's no glory. There's no strength. There's no joy. There's no peace in being an unstable soul. And we don't have to be. Be unstable. We know the promises. We believe it here. Five minutes later, we don't believe it. We don't set ourselves. There's no real strength. Somebody spiritually could just knock you over with the least little doubt that brings a little doubt or fear. And we fall over like a big redwood tree. Stand. Having done all, the Bible says to stand. Stand upon the promises of God. Stand upon the word of the Lord. Having done all, I'll say this, have you done all? Quoting from Ephesians chapter 6, where it talks about the armor of God. Having done all, stand. 
It's the last thing he tells us. Stand. So once we know and we're robed and equipped and so forth, we are to stand upon the Lord and upon his word. I want you to, uh, to turn with me and read this. Just one, one verse from 2 Chronicles chapter 32. Well, we'll read verses 7 and 8. 2 Chronicles 32. This is Hezekiah when the Assyrians had encamped around the city and people couldn't get food in or out. And, and he was a mighty king of, of Assyria and they had taken all these other countries and they, would threatened, they had threatened and blasphemed the name of Jehovah, the God of Israel, and said, your God's not going to be any different than all these other idol gods of all these other puny countries that we stomped on. Your God's not going to help you. That's what the, 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 they were saying, the Assyrians were saying to the Jews inside of the city walls. Hezekiah was a godly king. He feared the Lord. Second Chronicles 7 and 8, he, this is what he tells his people. This is the words of Hezekiah to his people in this darkest hour. It was bad. It was bad, the situation they were in. He says, be strong and courageous. Be not afraid nor dismayed of the, for the king of Assyria nor for all the multitude that is with him. For there be more with us than with him. Ooh, could, could you lay hold upon that and stand upon it? You understand what I'm saying? When they looked out, the peeked through a little crack in the city walls, all they saw was the Assyrians, and they were starving to death inside of the city. Who's going to help us? Are the Egyptians going to come help us? Who's going to come help us? Because this is a mighty force at this time, the Assyrians. And they had indeed taken all these other countries almost at, at ease. And then the, he, this is king, the king says, with him, verse 8, is the arm of the flesh. But with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people rested themselves upon the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. That verse is, I don't know, the Lord brought it to, to me. You know how the Lord brings you a specific verse or scripture. I can remember uh, years ago that particular part at the end of verse 8. And the people rested themselves in the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. And that's the only, only time I think in the Bible that Hebrew word, I guess you would say, is used for rest. So here's the king. Here's the, here's the reality of the circumstance around them and the Assyrians. Here's the word of the king. Be strong and courageous. There's more that with us than with them. The Lord's with us to fight our battles. And, and in this instance, praise God that people actually receive that. So many times we don't. So you're crazy. We gotta, I'm going to try to escape with my family tonight and get out of here. You know, but they rested themselves. What does that word rest mean? They rested themselves in the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. How can you rest in words? You know, maybe if I see a big army there, if I see uh, God coming in a pillar of fire and, and sending lightning bolts and killing all the Assyrians, then I could rest. No, they rested in the words of their king. We need to rest in the words of our king. Amen? He heard from the Lord, and he spoke to them. That word rest means this. They rested themselves in the words of the king. It said it means to prop, to lean upon, to lean upon like with your whole body weight, okay? To lean upon. You wouldn't do that on, on a piece of cardboard 
Okay, you're going to put your whole body weight on something that can hold you up. They, they, to lean upon, to take hold of, to establish, to rest, to set oneself, to sustain oneself, to sustain oneself. They sustain themselves in these words that Hezekiah spoke because it was really God's word for them and to them. You know, God in, did end up delivering them. But my point is, before they were delivered, they had taken strength from the Lord and they believed him. And they rested in that. And that's where you and I need to be. We need to be in a place of strength and rest ourselves upon it. Paul, we open with in Acts chapter 27, in the midst of the storm, when all hope that it was taken away that they should be saved, it was all taken away, but he heard the word of the Lord as he prayed and fasted. And the Lord spoke to him. We've gone through trials and tribulations, and sometimes the last thing we'll do is pray and fast. We need to pray and fast. You don't know what to do? Turn to the Lord. You need to hear from him. I need to hear from him. I need to be still and know that he's God. I need to shut out everything else, and I need to hear from the Lord. And then when I hear from him, I need to stay right there and establish myself. Well, i got a thousand different opinions. Well, just go to one, the Lord's. Amen? Go to the Lord's opinion and, and his word that he's promised. Paul heard from the Lord. An angel of the Lord spoke to him. And then Paul stood right there, and he set himself right there. And he even encouraged the people. I, th- I believe they were encouraged because of Paul's faith that he had heard from the Lord. This wasn't a ship filled with believers, but they were encouraged when they saw Paul's faith. I think often our troubles is that we hear the word, we hear it in a sermon, we hear it when we read our Bibles, we hear it in a Sunday school class, uh, but we don't stand upon it and, and rest there. Wouldn't you say? I mean, that we all, we hear it, we know it's true, we amen it, we really do know it's true, but we don't set ourselves right there. We don't rest like that definition of the word, the people rested themselves on the word. We don't establish ourselves right there. So here God's called us to, uh, to a, a holy life, for example. I'm going to use that again. But we don't, we don't really believe it's going to be any different. But what does God say? God says, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. We say amen to the verse, but we don't set ourselves and believe God that we're really going to be any more Christ-like than we've ever been before. There's new, no new breakthroughs in our lives. And we settle for or consent to, I would call it, a lower level of living. We, we sink down. We're Christians. We love Jesus. But we, set, we, low, we consent to it's, uh, this is lower level. It's not really going to be this amazing like God said. And we consent to a lower level of living. We do. As opposed to God telling us that. Are we going to believe what we believe? Or are we going to believe what God has said and promised? The God who cannot lie. It's impossible for him to lie whose word will not return unto him void. But what are we going to believe and set our, ourselves upon? We're passive, and we, we shrink down, and we shrink back, and we consent instead of fervently seeking the Lord and fervently standing upon the word of God. Instead of believing God for a fuller measure of his spirit in our lives, more of Christ in our life, more of his peace and joy and faith and power in our ministry, we consent and just kind of, well... I guess it's always going to be this way. 
That's not resting upon the words of the Lord. That's not setting ourselves and laying hold on the promises of God. I want to to talk about this for a little bit this morning as we, we keep this thought. I think there's a couple of ways in which believers, again, I'm talking to believers, don't set themselves on the word of the Lord. We don't believe it's going to be like God said, but also another way we don't is that we, we, we get into this endless uh, debates with the enemy or even with our own flesh, and we don't resolve the issue. In other words, an endless discussion and question, is it really going to be that way? Is it really going to be that way? And we question it. Now, I will say this. We have legitimate questions. Every believer has had legitimate questions. I'll share this again. I've shared it before, but it fits with what we're talking about. You probably have similar things. I was a Christian for many years. I had uh, a lot of wonderful Christian believers that I trusted in my life. And so when I really sold that to the Lord, I leaned heavily upon them just to grow in the Lord and learn the scriptures and how to live. I don't know that I thought about it like that, but I did. And everybody in my circle of Christianity believed in the rapture of the church. And I thought, I always believed it, but there came a point, maybe because I was hearing different arguments from others, don't believe in the rapture, I don't believe it's coming before the tribulation, all these different things, that I set my, I said, you know what, I'm going to go study that myself. Dee believes it, and the people around me believe it, and I, I believe it, but I want to be sure about this. You know what I mean? So I got, and I just started studying the Bible on my own and, and looked at scriptures and so forth. And when I was through, I came away more convinced that there was a rapture of the church. But it was like it became my own then. I really knew it and could stand upon it and, and discuss it with somebody, you know, that maybe didn't understand it and so forth. My point is that, that a lot of times we... we we take too many opinions and we don't, the, plan nev- the plane never lands. It's like we're in a holding pattern and circling and circling and circling and circling and we're going to go to our grave, not quite sure if Calvinism is right or if, if this other view is right, not sure if there's a rapture or not, and God doesn't want us to live that way. And if God's made a promise to your life, let's say not even a doctrinal thing, just promise to your life, and we need to lay hold on it and, and I don't, if God told me something about my life, my family, my children, whatever I'm believing in for, and I needed to hear from God and I heard from God, and I know it's the Lord, I'm not going to run over here to Chris and say, what do you think about it? Do you think I should believe that or not? He's a good, strong brother in the Lord. You understand my point? We make a mistake, I think. When, when an issue is settled, let it be settled. I'm not debating the, the rapture anymore, not within my heart. In my belief. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not debating the deity of Christ. I'm not debating uh, the literal resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I'm not debating the creation account that in six days he created everything. I'm not debating a literal return of the Lord. I'm not debating a thousand year literal reign of Jesus Christ on this earth. Well, a lot of good people don't believe that. Maybe so. That's between them and God. But I've come to understand and learn. There's a lot I don't know. But what I do know, I'm going to stand there. And our problem is we know and we hear from God, and then we put it back on the table for debate again. Don't do that. You're not going to be strong when you do that. 
If you believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, amen, and no man comes to the Father but by him, that's not up for debate again. Well, here's a good, strong, Christian, popular Christian brother over here. He thinks there's other ways to heaven. Well, he's not a Christian probably. But my point is, my point is that it's not up for debate. And when we, we're like an airplane. We circle and we unstable, unstable. When Paul heard from the Lord, the angel of the Lord, cheer up, Paul. Be of good cheer. You must appear before Caesar. And I've given you everybody on the ship. There's not one soul on this ship going to die. The ship's going to be lost. You're going to be thrust onto this island. And even that was going to be for the glory of God. People are going to get saved there. But the point is, Paul says, I believe that. I believe that. And I'm going to be of good cheer. That wasn't enough for the, but what if you miss God? What if that, and we go on and on and on. Unstable souls. I open up the message. Be sure that you've heard from God. And once you've heard from God, stay there. Our problem is we've heard from God, we've heard from God, we've heard from God, and things that are settled, and God wants to be settled in your mind, in your heart, in your spirit about the Lord. We put them back on the table, and we bring them back up for debate. God's not pleased with that. That is unstable, and it doesn't help us. I understand we have legitimate questions. You know what you do when you have a legitimate question about a doctrine? I don't claim to know everything perfectly myself. But what you do have a question about, go to God. Go to the Word of God. Amen? And let Him speak. And then when He says it, that should put an end to it. It must put an end to it, because if that won't, nothing will. If that doesn't settle it for you and for me, nothing will. It's an endless. That's what I'm talking about. Do we have legitimate questions if we're not sure about things? A lot of times, yes. But it's the endless. Endless can never, never, never come to that place of resting on the Word of God. some point, you have to come, let God convince you from the truth. Not con- the Lord will never convince you of anything but the truth. But once He's convinced you, don't put it back up on the table for debate. And there are people that do that. There are people that do that. I'm going to give you some examples. But we need to be open-minded. You hear that all the time? Be open-minded. There's a lot of things. Maybe try this new flavor of ice cream. Sure, what can it hurt? Be open-minded. When it comes to this right here, we cannot be open-minded in the sense of believing a thousand different opinions. We have to believe what's written in the Word of God as taught by the Holy Spirit. Rightly divided Word taught by the Spirit of truth who leads us into all truth. This Bible, that Holy Spirit, amen, teaching us and guiding us. You've heard it said people can become somewhat open-minded, their brains fall out, right? Open-minded. You can be too open-minded when it comes to things. If somebody's got a better way to build a house, better way to build a car, hey, let's listen. That might be something, right? When it comes to the things of God, well, you know, I don't, you need to be open-minded. Give some examples. You know, I'm playing the devil's advocate right here. You know, a lot of great Christians don't believe in, and you fill in the blank. A lot of great Christians, this is somebody telling you, maybe from a book, maybe from, you need to be open-minded about it. A lot of great Christians don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They think the gifts have passed away. A lot of great Christian uh, men and women 
don't believe in the rapture of the church. They think it's just a figure of speech. They don't believe in a, a literal millennial reign, a literal second coming of Christ. A lot of great Christians believe that Calvin was right and election is right. We need to consider that. And you know what happens? It never ends. It never ends. Either the view of Calvinism is right or it's wrong. I promise you it can't be both. It can't be Calvinism and then you have a right uh, to choose freely to serve the Lord. Find out from the Lord. I'll be happy to go over some of these things, what I know from the scriptures, but this has to be our final authority. And we go to the Lord and we go to his word. And once he has shown us, then park your plane right there. Put your car in park and say, it's settled with me and my Savior. I'm not debating it anymore within myself. And I'm not going to talk to you so you could possibly maybe try to persuade me to your opinion. Once I've heard from the Lord, <clears throat> that's where we stand. The, the point is, we say, well, a lot of good Christian people believe this. We need to go to the Bible. What saith the Scriptures? I don't care who this is. I don't care what books they've written. I don't care how popular they are. I don't care what kind of following they've had. I don't care what kind of movements they've had in their life. Uh, what does the Bible say? And again, don't bring it back up. Let the Lord settle it. Oh, you think you're wiser than everybody else? You know all the answers? No, I don't think I'm wiser than anybody else, and I don't think I have all the answers. But I do have one that is wiser, and he's wiser than John Calvin, and he's wiser than me, and he's wiser than anybody. I can go to the Bible and find out what he says and believe him. Well, that's not a popular belief, you know. You need to go with this within the church. No, I need to go with the Lord. I need to go with the Lord. I need to stay right there. And so, again, let, it set, let that settle it for you. You say, well, I don't know the answer to everything. I don't either. Doctrinal things, things like that you're not sure about. Pray about it. Seriously, seriously pray about it. Go to the Bible and what God teaches you, well, that's not what I expected to hear. That's not what all my other Christian friends believe. Whatever he shows you that is true from this book of truth, that's where you hang your hat. And that's where you stay. Line upon line, precept upon precept. God, show us your word by your spirit. Give us understanding and then stay there. And that has to settle it. Something has to settle it for you. It has to be God's word. I say it again. Once it's settled for you, don't bring it back up on the table. There might be other things that are not, not settled yet. Go to the Lord for those. I'm going to just give an example in closing, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. A lot of good Christians through the ages don't believe it's for today. I'm not saying that they're not Christians. I'm saying that on that subject, they're wrong. For this promise on the day of Pentecost is for you and for your children and for them that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. That's what he says. Well, there's a good group of strong Christians over there and they don't believe it then I pray God will show them. But I don't have to be persuaded by that. I can be settled right here and stand like a rock right here. The gifts of the Spirit are for, to, are for today. Amen? If we ask Him, we're believers, and we ask Him for it. The rapture of the church. I'll just read this quickly, y'all. You can turn if you want. 1 Corinthians 15. 
A lot of good Christians don't believe in the rapture. Uh, things like that you'll hear. I don't know how good a Christian they are or not. The Lord will have to judge that. But 1 Corinthians 15 says this, verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. The Bible talks about receiving a glorified body and, and, and going to work, uh, live with the Lord forever. I'll read this from 1 Thessalonians 4. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. That's what he says in his word. Well, he didn't really mean that. And a lot of, you know, so-and-so's a, wrote, wrote commentaries on the Bible, and he doesn't really believe that what that meant. Well, that's between him and God. This is what the Bible tells me. Then we are, which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. You know, a lot of people, I said it, uh, believe that the sovereignty of God, well, I do too, and the Reformed theology and that Cal John Calvin was right and that God chooses and predestinates before he ever created an individual, I have chosen this one to be saved. He couldn't be lost if he wanted to. And I've chosen this man to be damned and he could not be saved even if he wanted to. I don't believe that. That's not the God of the Bible. I can go to scriptures and tell you, is that a hard subject? Are there, are there some scriptures that make you wonder and scratch your head a little bit, there are. But even those, if you bring it with the entirety, the whole counsel of God, and wrap it up from Genesis to Revelation, the Bible says, whosoever will. Whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Choose you this day, Joshua said. If it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you serve. That would be an idiotic statement if those people listening didn't have a choice. I'm a robot. I can't choose. I can only do what I'm programmed to do. Ridiculous. Why would God send people to hell? Because they were fearful and unbelieving, it talks about, into the lake of fire. My, God would not do that simply if he had predestined them to that and they never had a choice. I do believe in predestinations of God, but not for an individual's eternal soul. He's got Israel's predestined to be the apple of his eye. He's got things that are predestined that are going to happen no matter what anybody says or how many devils come against them. But an individual choosing whether they give their life to Christ and go to heaven or hell and make Jesus their Lord and Savior, we have that choice. The Bible says who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. 2 Peter 3. God's not slack concerning slackness, you know, some men, uh, concerning his promises, some men count slackness, but he's long-suffering to us, we're not willing that any should perish. We could go on and on. What's the point? Once you know that, don't go sit down with people that believe Calvinism unless you're trying to convince them through the scriptures, okay, which is, is a healthy thing to do. But just to open your mind back up and now say, you know what, you're a really strong Christian and you... Uh, I'm going to listen to all your arguments on Calvinism. What's the point? 
Once you've heard it, I'm saying, and once you've gone to the scriptures and once it's settled in you, let it be settled. Let it be settled right there. We could go on and on, but y'all, as God promised to you to make you more like Jesus, then believe him for that. Set yourself right there. As God promised that he'll never leave you nor forsake you, then set yourself there. I sure feel lonely, and I sure don't feel like God's anywhere around. He promised he'd never leave me nor forsake me. Set yourself right there and stay there. We don't want to be unstable souls. As God promised that if we'll seek first his kingdom and righteousness, that all these other things will be added unto us. It's almost a motto. If there could be such a thing as a motto from the Bible, that to me is almost a motto. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Is that true or is it not true? Then, then seek God first. And let him take care of all of the other things. Does he promise that if we'll humble ourselves, he'll exalt us? Then humble yourself before God. Does he promise that he that goes forth bearing precious seed is going to come again with his sheaves of, of souls that he's, he's won to the Lord reaping the harvest? Does he promise that? He does. Go forth and share the word of God. May reject it. This one may reject it. That one may reject it. This one might get saved and be a mighty man or woman of God. Bear the seed. Go forth and bring the gospel. Amen. He, he said his word's not going to return void. Has he promised that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him? And diligently seek God. Well, I've tried and I hadn't found it. Keep trying. Stay, set yourself upon the Lord. Diligently seek the Lord. He will be found of you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. I'm going to close with this. Indeed, you can come. But y'all, when we set ourselves there, it is a great place of strength. We might not be strong, but we're setting ourselves in a place of strength to rest upon the word of God, to rest upon the words of the Lord and in his strong hands, amen, in his mighty hands. I want to be right there. I want to stay there. And, and I don't want to move from that place. And if I, anything's coming against my life, against my walk with Jesus, against my family, I want to be able to stand in a place of strength. I don't want to be unstable. Well, I believed it yesterday, and I don't know if I believe the promises of God today. Lord, help us not to be unstable souls. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, Paul said, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. Y'all stand with me this morning. I haven't told you anything this morning you don't haven't heard before. Not my intent to. The intent of God is for us to trust him and to be in a place of strength. You can be the weakest physically. You can be the oldest, feeblest, youngest Christian, whatever it may be. But we can set ourselves upon the word of God and stay there. And there's incredible strength there and there's incredible peace there. And even Paul said, be of good cheer, right? Twice, be of good cheer. He wants us to be of good cheer. He wants us to be strong. Not like uh, someone tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine unstable. If you don't know it, get with God and find out from the Bible. Pray until you know it, okay? But once you know it, don't be moved. Stand upon the Word of God and in His strength and power.